Turn your Bible to Second Peter. Thank you, Brother Nelson. How's your finger, brother? Doing better? Amen. Thank you for uh, enduring the difficulties to be a blessing to us this morning. We'll start out here in the book of Second Peter, and we'll try to look at a couple of things here. I think I need to go back to school and learn how to write notes. I used to teach that kind of thing. I mean, can anybody read that and make, make good use of that? No? Uh-uh. Well, that's all right. So you just pray for me this morning. The Lord will help me. I appreciate the salvation that we know and have in the Lord Jesus. He is our sufficiency, and hallelujah, I found him because he found me. And uh, so I appreciate that good song. I love hearing that song. And I thank you, Miss Snow, for your singing. Ladies, thank you for singing for us this morning as well. And we'll be in the book of Second Peter. And the message this morning will begin our reading back in chapter number 2 to kind of catch up a little bit where we are. Um, let's not remember the stability of knowing of our salvation, knowing our standing, uh, making it sure, the stability upon which you stand. Uh, you stand uh, by grace through faith in a person whose name is Jesus. He is all of your sufficiency and stability and your surety, right? Uh, I know him, and uh, I know him, yes, it will line up with the scriptures, but I know him uh, by the Spirit, a revelation of God in the Spirit. It was a work, a spiritual work when he birthed me into his kingdom. And so we uh, see where he says to not to forget to be fruitful in the present in chapter number one. So it's not enough just to endure the suffering. We've got to be fruitful. And so he lays out the stability we have. Then he, ta- he calls our attention to uh, being fruitful and uh, says, make your call and election sure. And uh, because you're going to need to know where you stand. The last days are coming. Uh, and the uh, marks of the last days are deception and apostasy. Right? Uh, people are falling away, the Bible calls it. There's a, an abandonment of the truth for personal opinion. And um, that's what we have in the last days, and that uh, is what we are going to continue to see as the, in my opinion, the Catholic Church will head it up, in my opinion. Uh, but I believe there'll be a one-world uh, system, a one-faith, uh, an ecumenical-type uh, thing that will bring everybody together, and that will have to be watered down to a degree to get everybody to accept it, Right? And so that's what the enemy is attempting to do now and turning the truth into a lie and, and what he does with the gospel and with Christianity. And um, he takes a little bit of the truth, sprinkles in a little bit of the truth and creates his own thing. The Antichrist will have that because he wants to be worshipped like God is worshipped, right? That's his goal. And uh, it's now at work now. We even see it now, that same spirit. And this know also in the last days, we know all those things. Men shall be uh, deceiving and being deceived, right? And so um, they're being deceived by a religion and they're uh, not getting the truth. Uh, because they have chosen their own way. And we looked at that a little bit last week or the week before that. There is no such thing as my truth and your truth. There is only the truth which is found in God's perfect book. And if you reject that, God will reject you. Right? 
And so the only place to find the truth is in the Word of God. You'll have to go to God. God is the truth, and Jesus is the truth, and we know He is the Word of God. And so anyhow, so we see in chapter number 1, uh, He calls our attention to that, our stability, our assurance, and then He deals with the Scriptures and how that hinges upon uh, something that rises above all of the opinions of men and something that is absolute, something that is perfectly uh, true, that is outside of your own imagination, something that is beyond the opinions of people. Uh, and is there is an absolute truth. There is. And you find that in God and in God alone. And so he ends that chapter of chapter number one of being fruitful and dealing for we have a more sure word of prophecy, uh, something more sure than signs and wonders and visions, uh, because the Bible said a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Uh, but there'll be no sign given, save that of the prophet John says, Jesus in the, as Jonah's in the whales, belly three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And that's the last sign given. And so signs are to the Jews. We're not looking for a sign. Right? Come on now. I'm not looking for signs and wonders and miracles to happen. Uh, I, I'm looking at the miracle, something greater than anything, when the dead hear the voice of God and are raised up incorruptible. And that's what I'm looking for, and something even far beyond that, when the dead in sin are called, uh, called out of sin and called into eternal life. And that's a greater miracle than anything you've ever known, greater than a man being raised up out of a tomb in his grave clothes three days later is uh, uh, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Something greater than that is when God takes a corrupt man and calls him by the power of the gospel and makes him a new creature in Jesus. And that's where the miracles we're seeing is lives changed by the power of God. And so truth is not what you decide about it and you cannot find the truth by looking in yourself. You'll have to find the truth going outside of yourself and you'll have to find it in the absolute truth of the Bible. That's the, where you find the truth. How else do you know what's true? Well, I just think everybody ought to do their own thing. I don't. When everybody does their own thing, we got chaos, right? God's a God of order. God doesn't leave people to their opinions. God gives you the truth, right? Thank God for the truth. Often I don't like it, but I appreciate it, right? Uh, a lot of times the truth crosses everything that I am, and I thank God for it. He never spares my feelings at the expense of the truth. But the people coming in the latter day, then the one ultimately coming, he will purchase you at the expense of truth. He makes merchandise of people. You are not owned by any person, right? I don't own you as your pastor. Come on now. Uh, we have show no allegiance to a mortal man. Our allegiance is to the Lord Jesus who bought us with the price of his own blood, who has the rights in creation. The Bible said that the invisible things are being understood by the things that are made. And the Bible said all things were made by him and for him. So much to so that the Bible said in the last day, Hitler and every other God-denying atheist will sit down before him and kneel and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's going to happen because he's got the rights. He is God, the only potentate. He is the creator, and by him all things were created. And for Jesus Christ were you and everything else created. But God doesn't stop at the revelation of creation. He speaks to us by the language of love. Isn't that right? And he comes to you, though he has the rights of you by creation, he purchased you with his own blood out of a slave market of sin. 
And so that's where we get to in these next parts uh, as we're being reminded in who we stand. And we have to be careful of people. And I'm not, I don't want to be a, a conspiracy theorist or uh, anything like that or, or be a leery of every person that exists. And, and, uh, uh, but in these last days, I'm leery of everybody. Amen. I hardly trust anybody, right? I don't know what they're doing. And, and, and that's why you and I, we have the Word of God. God wants us to try all things by the Word. And so we have the great precious Word before we're warned in verse number one of chapter two, and that uh, we need to be reminded of the fallacy of the pernicious. And verse number one, he talks about recognizing the fallacy, but there were false prophets also among the people. When is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the prophecy that came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God. As they were moved by the Holy Ghost, they spake. And then he follows that up in the very next sentence and says in verse number one, but also during those times, there were also false prophets. This is not unique to 2020, right? There's always been an imitation of what God is doing. God, Jesus has a bride, so does the Antichrist. His bride's a virgin. It's referred to the Antichrist. His bride is the great whore. And so God, the Antichrist, Satan is always trying to imitate God because he wants worship, right? I will exalt my throne above. That's, that's what he wants, to be worshiped. And so um, anyhow, so there's false prophets, and I believe this. God calls one man to preach, the devil will call two, Right? There's only one truth, right? And so uh, God's, gonna, God's trying to tell us, look, uh, there's going to be all kinds of things you have to watch out for. There's going to be false prophets that were just the same in those days. They're going to be alive in your day, and they're going to teach things. And you have to know and be able to discern there's no excuse for shallowness in doctrine, right? As a Christian, we ought to grow in the grace and in the knowledge Right? And so we should be growing. We should know better uh, than to be pulled. And Ephesians said that, that you be no more children tossed to and fro about with every whim of what? Doctrine. Teaching. Somebody telling you something that ain't so. Right? Somebody telling you you can be saved by faith, yes, but you also got to keep the commandments. Heresy. It's faith in Jesus plus nothing minus nothing. And you stand in him alone, or you go to hell when you die. It's the only option you have is to stand in Jesus. Well, I'm just going to try to be a good person. It's going to work out in the end. No, it's not going to work out because you're going to come short of his divine perfection. God demands perfection, and you cannot produce it of yourself. You have to be in Christ, right? And that's the only way God will accept any person is in the person of his son because you can't be perfect and I can't be perfect, but Jesus was and is and always shall be sinless and perfect. Amen. Thank God for that. And so now you are accepted in the beloved. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? I hope that excites you some. Therefore, being justified, you know, if you study those, that out, it means something that was true in the past and something that's currently true and shall remain true forever. So therefore, being justified in the past with the result of currently being, uh, that we are justified and the future prospects that we shall always remain justified. That's what that verse says. Therefore, being justified by faith. Hey, Christian, you're going to be all right. Now, I'm going to go something here as quick as I can, get my little motor running a little quicker. 
I'm tired. But uh, if God will help me and you pray for me, I want to try to deal with the second coming of Jesus this morning. If I can just get on through it. And I want you to know something. I'm preaching to you saved this morning. If you're saved by God's grace, I want you to know something. You have a salvation that's effectual to enduring affliction. You're go- God is going to see you through this thing. Now, I don't know how bad it's going to get, and I don't know and, 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 and just how much of the end that we'll see. Uh, I definitely don't think we're waiting on the man of sin to be revealed. Right? Come on now. I'm not looking for a man to be revealed that is the Antichrist. Someone who is in opposition to Christ, but coming in the stead of Christ. Someone who's playing the part of being Jesus and declaring himself to be God. That's not who I'm looking for. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus... Right? So I'm looking for Jesus, this same Jesus that you saw like shall come again, and the like matter shall come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there you may be also. I'm looking for Jesus. Right? So I'm not looking, we're never told to be looking for the Antichrist, we're to be looking for Jesus. Right? And that's what the Bible tells us. So I'm not waiting. Uh, I'm not waiting. And the falling, uh, the, uh, falling away uh, that could be taken as the apostasy, I believe it's the rapture of the church in my opinion. Uh, but anyhow, I won't argue, fall out with you either way on that. But I am not waiting for the man of sin to be revealed. I am waiting for God to steal his son, to step out in the clouds and go get his bride. And I'm listening for a voice of the sound of a trumpet to say, come up hither. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm not looking for signs and wonders. I'm not looking for the blood uh, to be turned this way and the, and the third tem- and the temple to be rebuilt. And I'm not looking for none of that. I'm simply waiting to hear my Savior whose voice I will follow and not another. He said, my sheep hear my voice. You're not going to miss it. If you're his, you'll hear his voice when he speaks and you'll be gone. Say, so, well, I don't believe this. Well, you're just going to have to... Uh, indulge me this morning, all right? Because I believe that we are not appointed under wrath, but to take mercy, and I'm not looking uh, for the Antichrist. I'm not looking for any signs and wonders. I'm looking for God's blessed Son, the Lord Jesus, to call me home. That's what I'm looking for, and it's imminent. There's nothing in standing in the way of Jesus coming today. I hope you're ready. All right, let's look into it a little bit. Second Peter, chapter number one. There were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies. Now, can I say something here? Thank goodness that uh, 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 the, for the uh, word also right there. He said, yeah, there's false teachers uh, uh, also among the people. That lends to, um, to the fact that there's some true teachers out there teaching it right. Amen. And so there's, uh, don't get all doomy and gloomy on me. Who privately shall bring in damnable heresies. That's how they operate. They operate in the dark. And they bring it in privately, bringing in damnable heresies of their own opinion. And so that's what a heresy is. Now, I'll just read this quickly. We'll move on. Uh, but uh, if you'll notice this word, they don't bring in a damnable heresy. They bring in damnable heresies that one leads to another. That's why doctrine is so important, because one thing leads to another. One heresy leads to another heresy, right? And so uh, uh, it's, it's used in the plural. They bring in damnable heresies. That is which, uh, heresy is that which both diametrically opposes the truth and sets up opinion against it. Error is when one holds a wrong opinion alone, and schism is when, in, when many consent in their opinion, and heresy runs further and contends to root out the truth. 
And so heresy doesn't just project its opinion of what the truth is. It actively seeks in driving out the truth. That's why we suffer persecution, right? Because the way of the, the way the way of truth is evil spoken of. They won't just give their part. They're, they won't. They will never be happy until they drive us out from preaching the truth. Right? And they come out and say, God just accepts everybody. You can be a sodomite. You can be a man. Think you're a woman. You can be, you can be, you can be anything you want to be. And we'll all accept you. You can pray to whatever God you want to pray to. And we'll just all come together under the banner of love. But if you stand up and say, Jesus is the only way, you're no longer accepted under their love. That love only extends to other heretics like them. But if you stand for the truth, there's no love for you. Isn't that, that kind of odd? We love and accept everybody. That sounds familiar. We're going to march and burn down the country, but then you want to tell me to come together. What a bunch of nuts. Like Barney said. He's a nut. Now, let's not do that. All right, we've got to stay serious. They probably bring in damnable heresies and multiple heresies. One leads to another. It's not an honest error. It's the hypocritical perversion of religious truth to the purposes of excessive indulgence and liberty, contempt of just restraints of the law and sin. It is self-chosen doctrine, and uh, it develops into an endless variety. And so that, uh, that's why you have to say, if a man ever comes to me and wants to tell me something, I will talk to anybody about anything, but you've got to bring a verse with me. I don't care about your tradition. I don't care about your opinion. I don't care how Mamma did it. I don't care about your papa, nobody else. I just need a verse from the Bible, right? That's the way you better be. You better not listen to me just because I said it. You better just find it in the Word of God, right? So stay in the Word of God to prevent yourself from being fooled uh, and be drawn away, which is going to happen in the last day. Men are going to be seduced. There's going to be seducers in the last day. And what happens is having teachers having itching ears, they'll heap unto themselves, right? Because they just want to be taught. They don't want nobody to preach against their sin. They don't want nobody to say you, are, you, you can never make it to heaven apart from Jesus because you're defiled. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear everything's going to be okay. And God loves you anyway. No, God doesn't just love you anyway or he wouldn't want to make you new. God wouldn't say you need to be born again if he accepted you the way you were now. Right? It makes no sense. Think it through with the truth. You must be born again. Right? In the plural. Ye. Must be born again. Everybody, every man, every boy, every girl, uh, you must be born again. Because when you sit there and say, well, I'm just as good as them other church people, God's not measuring you by church people. Right? You'll never make it. That's why I gave that quote this morning. Compare yourself to what you were yesterday and not who someone else is today. Right? (laughs) God doesn't compare you to other people. We do that. God compare well, well on the, uh, when he uh, tries your works and he tries your words and your ways in his fire, uh, he's trying you by the words of his precious son. If you can't match that, you better start praying because you're going to fall short. Right? On your best day, God said you're filthy on your best day. And say, well, I don't like that. Well, I didn't like it either until I realized it was true. And then I started to look and search for answers. There had to be absolute truth somewhere. There had to be something that was true that would rise above the opinion and public opinion and the opinion of religious people and anybody else. There had to be a truth. And God showed me the truth and his name was Jesus. Save his people from their sins. 
Wonderful. Hey, we got we to get to this because I want to get to it. All right, so they bring in damnable heresies. And so he's trying to warn, the, warn us in these days that there's also going to be false teachers that are going to teach things. And one of the first things he denotes, notes here, because remember he says heresies, but here's the one thing that he says even, here's how bad off it is. And we, we don't see it, but it's so bad off, they deny lordship. They have a problem with lordship. They deny the Lord that bought them. They don't want to be ruled over. They're rebels. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. They are rebels, and it's like the sin of witchcraft. If you don't want to be ruled over, then you have a problem, and your problem's with God, not with me, right? I'm just giving, delivering the mail. Your problem's with God. You're a rebel, and God uh, is not in the business of saving rebels and leaving them rebels. God saves rebels, breaks their will, and, and their will becomes God's will, right? So if you're still a rebel, it's because you've never been saved. I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying I'm trying to break through your deception. You're hanging on to something that's never changed you. It's never made a difference in your life. And if you continue to cling to it, I don't care what any false prophet tells you, you'll burn in hell when you die. Salvation will bring a change into your life. And you won't be perfect here, but you will be eventually. And salvation brings about a new creature in Christ Jesus where all things pass away. Uh, old things become, all things become new. And you can try to make that say anything you want to and say, well, it's just talking about, uh, you can make it say anything you want to try to make it say. But the reality is the Bible said that a man is born again and becomes a new creature in Christ Jesus created unto good works where it was before ordained that he should walk in them. That's exciting to me because that's, we're the Lord's free men now. Now we have the ability to do good works. You say, well, well, I do good works. I do good stuff for people. Well, God said that's disgusting. Why? Because it's not by faith. And anything that's not a faith is sin. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right? And so we that are saved, and we're saved under good works, before today we should walk in them, we now have the ability to do good works. We're not saved because of the good works. We're saved by grace through faith unto good works, which, is, which God accepts just like he accepts us in the beloved. Isn't that wonderful? So the Bible said, so God is not unrighteous. Forget your work and labor of love, which he showed towards his name. But here's what he does with unsaved people. Many shall say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done many miracles in thy name? You know what he said? Depart from me, you work for iniquity. You work for iniquity, I never knew you. That's what he'll say. Well, I do good things and I, I try to do it. I, I, I do good things. Hey, listen, if you're not saved, God's going to say, I never knew you. I don't care what you did. This is a relationship that you must be into. Your, your, your works, your works uh, will be tried, yes, uh, but God, uh, it goes far deeper than that. You have a heart problem, and your heart problem is it's wicked and deceitful above all things, and who can know it? That's the problem. And the works are a result of that wicked heart. So God doesn't come live in the heart. He takes that old heart out and gives you a live heart and takes that, that dead stony heart, that rebellious heart, and gives you a new heart that's alive unto God. Wonderful. Boy, that's just exciting to me. I'm so glad to know I belong to the Lord. Now, all right, they deny lordship. These people are their own gods. And they want to, uh, let's move on. I want to get into that. I think we've, we've dealt with that some. And uh, look at what they do. They bring upon themselves swift destruction. And verse number two said, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, 
by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And that's what's happening in our day. If you stand on Bible truth as a fundamentalist, you're mean, you're cruel, you're hatred, you're, you're a hateful hate monger, you're bitter, you're, they'll call you all kinds of names. And my doctrine is not of my own. It's of him that sent Jesus into this world, right? But you'll still be blamed with it. Why? Because they hate him. But if you go out and just preach God loves you and everything's going to be okay and, you know, God's like some old papa sitting up there in a rocking chair uh, just biting his fingernails hoping you come uh, and, and it's like some kind of glorified Santa Claus and you, you listen to people like that, uh, you let Joe Olstein, these other, these other guys on TV, uh, that's exactly the way they preach. They just want, what they're, what they're concerned about is ownership of people. They want following. They want, they, they want people to follow them. Why? Because they're covetous people. Right? Having men's person in mind because of advantage. They make merchandise out of you. You're bought and sold and traded in their markets. Right? So God said, you got to watch out for those people. Here's what they want. They want to rule over you. Does that know what he said? They'll purchase you. They'll make merchandise of you. That's what happens. You go to a store and you buy something, you, you own it, right? And God said, you don't belong to anybody but me. Don't ever forget that. Young people don't forget especially. No pastor, no preacher, nobody else owns you. Your allegiance and your loyalty is to Jesus Christ and him alone, right? Ultimately. Now, so they make merchandise of you, and, they're going, they're, they're, and here's how they're operating. Uh, they, they, uh, they're not concerned about you, what they're concerned uh, with your soul. They're just more concerned about what you can do for them. And so they'll, the, 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 the cost to buy you is the truth, and they have no, down, no, no problem watering it down to purchase you. So if they can make you feel better and get you to follow them by watering the truth down, then they'll do it to get you in the building. Right? These Baptist churches that way, right? They're, that runs across the spectrum where men uh, uh, have a desire to want people to follow them. And so at the expense of truth, they'll water the truth down to get people to follow them, right? Because they want numbers. They want people. They want following. And the majority is never a, a claim to stand upon. If you, were a, if you were a German in Hitler's day, you were in the minority if you didn't agree to kill Jews didn't make it right, right? And so Jesus said, they make merchandise of you. Here's what they're going to do in the last days. And uh, they're going to sell you something that's not true. They're going to purchase you at the expense of truth. Because uh, if you hold the truth up, there won't be many takers. You preach repentance towards God, there won't be many takers. You, you preach sign here, take a test, pass your name here, shake the preacher's hand, I'll dunk you underwater, and here's how you make your tithe check out. Here's some offering envelopes, and uh, all you got to do is repeat after me, one, two, three, and you're in. Uh, that's, that's what's propagated most of these days, and you can get people to follow it. But if you tell men that God commands all men everywhere to repent because they're defiled and they're sinners, there won't be many takers. Right? And except you repent, you will perish. That I'm assured of. Say, well, I'm not. Well, based upon what? Your opinion? Right? So you're your own God. That's what you're saying. This morning, you're going to stand up here and tell all of us, you're your own God. Is that, is that what somebody's saying? If they reject God's truth, then where are you, where's your truth at? Well, it's my own. I just, this is just what I think. Well, what about everybody else? 
We all get to be our own gods. That's what these people are doing. In verse number one, these false prophets, they, 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 they have, they, they've created, they've made themselves God. They don't want to be ruled over. Right? And so many will follow that, many will follow that kind of thing because listen, it'll make me feel better in my conscience. I don't have to change anything about myself. I can repeat a prayer and just in case heaven and hell's real, I've got to get out of hell free card. No wonder people flogged in the 50s and 60s into Southern Baptist churches. No wonder they did that. Because they peddled, and, they, and when you knew you weren't saved, and you knew your life never changed, and you knew you didn't have Jesus living in you, they'd tell you to just rededicate it. Right? I'm not picking on them. I'm picking on them because that's all I knew when I was a teenager. That's what I grew up in. There's all kinds of other denominations do the same thing. Presbyterians, you can be a you can be a woman, prophetess, you can be a, you know, they, they, uh, uh, you know there, there's all kinds of others we can hit. But this morning, I'm just hitting the ones that I know because that's what I have experience with. Now, I don't how many of them told me, said, well, you repeated that prayer, so don't doubt God, you just need to rededicate your life. You don't need to rededicate your life, you need to be born again. Right? And you'll come along probably every day of the rest of your life after you are born again thinking you do need to rededicate. <laughs> right? But you only have to dedicate it one time, right? I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed past tense unto him against that day. Not what I continue to commit to him because I fail. You are not, your salvation doesn't change. Your sonship doesn't change based on your failures. You stand complete in him, right? Thank God for that. Now, all right. He said they'll deny the Lord that bought them. And uh, I want to move on from that great day. Uh, so uh, in verse number two, um, the, uh, recognizing the, the fallacy. And verse number two said, uh, my point is refuse to follow. And uh, so, uh, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And I'm telling you, and the kind of preaching that I'm doing even this morning, there'll be people walk out of here and speak evil against it. Well, he's hateful. Right? That's just how they do it. The way of the truth he was spoken of because they've heard some heretic stand up and say something different based on no Bible, just his own opinion. So I, I want to trust you. Don't follow me or anybody else's opinion. Just read the Bible. Right? And God will show you the truth. I'm going to do another little Joe Bryant move again, Brother Reed. God will get you the truth. Now, okay, let's go quickly. All right, so verse number three, he said, And do covetous shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. And so let me just say this quickly. Uh, the, uh, um, and notice in that last verse it said, Many, many shall follow. Now this is a sign of the last days. That's why I'm, I'm, get, that's why I'm getting to. And so verse number three, realizing what is feigned. Uh, and that word just means imagined, fictitious. And uh, so uh, this covetous, this greed uh, that they have, uh, will, they'll use made up, imagined uh, opinions and not the truth of the word of God to purchase you. Whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not. Uh, they, like Jude said, they're appointed unto this condemnation. God's already passed sentence on them. All these false teachers and heretics that preach a different gospel than Paul did, God's already executed judgment on them. It's already been decided. Anybody that preaches another gospel will end up in hell. And anybody that believes it alongside of them, they're going to hell also. That's, that's already been pronounced. We're not waiting on that. But then their judgment to be followed through, it slumbereth not. It's not asleep. It will come. Don't worry. 
just don't forget to deny the forbearance and, and, uh, 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 and long-suffering and uh, the riches of his goodness and, and the forbearance of God. See, we can't forget that. God's long-suffering. So he's suffering long with this world. He has long patience for it, the Bible said. I'm going to make that loud of rain. Now, all right, verse number three, we have to, that's why we got to be grounded in the Word of God because we have to know what is true and what is false, right? What is feigned, what is imagined, what's made up. And uh, for if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that should live after, that, that should after live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, verse number seven, Second Peter 2, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, not practicing alongside of them, but he was dwelling among them, right? And seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with the unlawful deeds. And verse number nine said, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the just unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Now, we'll start this and we'll pick it back up here tonight. Because I took too long again. And so, uh, uh, verse number five, uh, we'll go, let's see, let's go to, uh, well, let's go to Matthew chapter number 24. And we'll start to deal with this. So here's what God's saying. Now just remember, and remember we got a man writing this and the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And he's saying, look, I've already talked to you about it the last times in my first letter. And I'm writing them to you again about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus. Right? And uh, he said, so, so remember to be fruitful. And you better know the scriptures because there's going to be deception and seducers in the last day. Bringing in de- damnable heresies. And you've got to know how to discern what's feigned and imagined and what's untrue and what is the truth. Right? And, he's, and, he, and, now, now here, and, and so he does that. And then he reminds them, talking about all these false teachers and talking about all these false prophets that are alive in our day. He's trying to remind me and you, and he encourages us with, with, the, with the verse at the end. But he reminds us, don't forget, God is going to judge that crowd. But don't also forget that God knows how to reserve you as well. And God knows how to deliver you out of the midst of this mess, uh, just like he did for these people. And he's going to go talk about Noah and Lot. And he talked about the angels. So he reminded us now, remember the angels, and spared, that, that, that he spared none. And the third of the angels fell, and they were reserved in chains of darkness. They'll be reserved in the day of punishment. They'll be raised. And when, when Satan's uh, loose for a little season, then he's bound up and cast in the pit. And they'll be in the lake of fire forever and ever, and we'll never have to deal with him again. That ought to just cheer you up some. I guess a tired of hell. Now, so uh, he said, don't forget that now. Just like, he, just like he judged them angels. See, sometimes we get set and think we're getting by with things. The judgment of God's a coming. And so don't be like those that say, well, where is this coming? Well, you're a sign unto yourself because the Bible said there'd be scoffers in the last days saying, where is the promise of his coming? Well, they weren't asking where is it located. They, uh, even Satan himself knows the Bible. They were saying, where is it coming? I've been hearing this a long time. Where is Jesus? Why isn't he not coming? That's what they're saying in the last day. Right? And so they're saying that now. Well, I've heard that and I've heard that. Don't be like them. Right? Jesus said he's coming and you can be rest assured God who cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Because every word he speaks is truth. So that's there's no way he could lie when every word he says establishes truth, right? So it's impossible. God is the truth. 
And so he said he was coming and he's going to come. And, and, and now let me just say a few things. We'll be in Matthew chapter number 24. You done beat me there. And we'll begin to look there and Luke and maybe a couple other places just to freshen up on something because the Bible calls this the blessed hope. Right? This is the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You say, well, I believe that happened at Pentecost. No, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, not Christ himself. Right? The Holy Spirit came. Now we got to look. We, we need to be sobered up. Jesus often would tell them, know you not the scriptures? And he would rebuke them, say, you ought to know better. You can discern all of these things, but you can't discern the times. We ought to be able to discern the times. And uh, we need to be able to discern that you and I are living in the dawn, that new days fixing the dawn. Jesus is coming, and uh, we are in the last days of the last days. And everything that's mentioned in Matthew, and everything that's mentioned in Luke, and everything that's mentioned in Timothy, and Titus, and other places, uh, uh, one in 20 five verses of your New Testament is given to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I think it's pretty important to God, don't you? And uh, so he said, uh, uh, well, let's look at Matthew 24, okay? Because first thing he deals with, uh, coming back from Peter, the first thing he deals with, if I'm not mistaken, uh, is, uh, is dealing with Noah. Well, he deals with the angels, and then he deals with the, the story uh, about the flood, the Antediluvian time. Now, Matthew 24, let's start in uh, verse number uh, 37. Very last saying to you, this generation not passed. Now, remember, in context of Matthew 24, this is primarily given uh, unto the Jews and knowing the sign of the second advent, right? Not, not when he comes for the church, but when he comes with the church and he slays all their enemies and establishes the kingdom upon the earth. Now, if, uh, that is talking about signs and wonders and miracles there in chapter number 24, which are not given unto us, right? We're not dealing with signs and wonders and all of that. That's not us. And so, uh, uh, but what I want to make reference of is the same thing he makes reference of. We will see the day approaching, Brother Ruby. We will see it coming. And if he said as it was in the days of Noah and as it was in the days of Lot, and so preachers have been preaching this long and I've been alive, uh, but it's just getting worse and worse day by day as you go forward. And so there, there'll be coming a day uh, when it'll be even worse than this, but you and I we should be able to see that the times is running out on me and you. If we're going to do something for God, we better do it quick. The time is running out. I don't believe that. You've been saying that. I've been saying that since I've been here. And I've been here a little over a year. And we're just a little over a year closer to Jesus coming. I hope you're ready to meet the Lord in the air. That doesn't sound like he's coming. You're going to meet the Lord in the air. Well, that, that don't sound like Pentecost to me. And that don't sound like death either. Does it? Death is an enemy, not a blessed hope. It can't be the same thing, right? So it's not death. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't at Pentecost. So Jesus spoke when he wrote our New Testament. Most, the, our New Testament was written after Pentecost. And all of these describe the second advent, the second coming of Jesus as a future event to be looked forward to. So what could he be talking about, right? Where does that fit? It fits right here. You and I, wherefore exhort one another with these, comfort, excuse me, not exhort, comfort you one another with these words. Your Savior that you've given yourself for and that you turned over the rights of your entire being to is coming to get you. And I can't wait.
But he said this, we got to... We got to get ready now. We got to, we're going to end this morning. I hope you're ready to meet God. This thing's serious. I fear some people, they fooled around with God so long now. And I'm telling you, it may not have happened yet, but it's liable to happen today. I hope you're ready. I hope you quit fooling around with God. God's not playing games. God's serious about this thing. And, uh, he said as it was in the days of Noah. And so Matthew uh, 24 comes down through here. Heaven and earth shall pass away. My words shall never pass. But of the day and the hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So let's just, just quickly just go over just a couple of things, and we won't get to lot this morning, but we'll run through Noah real quick, and I'll let you go home, and you get you something to eat. Now, he said that as it was in the days of Noah. One of the first things he talks about here and dealing with this uh, uh, matter of Noah, he says in Noah's day, what, was, what were they doing in Noah's day? They were, they were uh, before the flood, they were eating and drinking. This righteous man, this preacher of righteousness, what were the rest of them doing? They were just eating and drinking. You know, what that, you know what that means? They're just partying. They're totally, and I mark those days by this word, they're totally indifferent and cold to the things of God. They really don't care one way or the other. They're just totally indifferent to it. Right? And they, so they were eating and drinking. All they were caring, all that they cared about in the last days was just, uh, we would call it fellowship in the Christian church. But the world has a fellowship too. And all they care about is just getting together and having a good time. I know churches that they'll, they'll slip the gospel in on you at the end. Maybe or maybe not. But they'll draw you in by eating and drinking. Right? Let's have a good time together. It's not about having a good time. It's about bringing glory to God, right? But the world's concerned with having a good time, pleasing their self, right? For in the last days, men shall be lovers of them own selves, right? And so the marks of the days of Noah was that they were just eating and drinking. They don't care. They listen to a preacher, pour his heart out about the days that are coming, uh, uh, that Jesus is uh, soon to come, and they just don't care either way. All they want to do is get out here and go get something to eat. That's plagued save people. Right? In our day, saved people are even more concerned with eating and drinking than they are the truth. Right? They're more concerned with, with self-gratification than the truth. And uh, that's what these people were caught up in. In the days of Noah that grieved God, all they were doing was eating and drinking. And here's the second thing that he said. They were marrying and they were given in marriage. Now, People have taken this a, a, a lot of ways and made it say a lot of things. I, I, I'm just going to say what the Bible, the Bible just said they were marrying and giving in marriage. I think that was talking about males marrying and females giving in marriage. I just think it was talking about, but it did call attention to watch the marriage situation, right? And so you could say, well, uh, marriage means nothing to people, and they just marry one, and they marry another, and they marry another. It could be lending itself to the last days where, uh, um, where people are going to be uh, by having multiple wives. You know, I, I think personally what he's saying here is just showing the indifference, and I see it in young people. There are young ladies more care, uh, caught up with who they're going to marry than what the will of God is for their life, Right? And it's important, it's godly, it's honorable. Marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled. 
God, there is absolutely, it's wonderful. I'm glad. I'm thrilled with the fact that any young person, that a young lady wants to marry a man. That thrills my heart. Any young man that likes a girl, hallelujah. I'm not against that. If you like another boy, I'd be worried about you. Right? It's perfectly natural. Those are natural affections. But what he's saying here, the reason he calls it such a, a difference is, is because they're just more caught up with self than they are the things of God. Right? They're eating and drinking. They're just marrying. They're just going about life as if nothing happened. They're just going about life like there's not a flood coming. They're just continuing in life with just ignoring the fact that Jesus is coming. They're just, they're, they're, they would say they believe it, but in works they deny it. They're just caught up with the times. That's why the Bible said, uh, don't get caught up with the affairs, the, the affections of this world, right? And love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, right? And so in the days of Noah, they're just, they're just caught up in these, and uh, uh, in, in just the operation of the world. And, and young people, I, I'm going to exhort you, it's important. There's not, outside of Jesus, I don't know of another more important decision you make than the mate you choose. But... What, what trumps all of that? I didn't mean to say Trump. Don't get excited. What trumps all of that is bringing glory to God. You have to deny yourself. See? So what's more important than you finding a husband? You're not getting married. You all might get married one day. But what's more important than that is the will of God for your life. That's what's most important. What, would you be, what, if, God's, what if God's will for you is not to be married? Right? So I don't think that's a, I don't think that's the will of God. Well, Paul said uh, that uh, uh, that uh, a woman that's married worries how she pleases her husband, and a man that's married worries how he pleases his wife, right? So you couldn't say for everybody that that wasn't that that wasn't a a good thing. Maybe maybe God doesn't want that. Would you be willing to do that for the Lord, right? So uh, so the idea here is 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 just they're just going about life and they're totally indifferent to everything. And I, and I tell you, Christian church, because I'm not preaching this to lost people this morning, though everybody can find their place. Can I just say something to you, saved man, saved young lady, saved boy, whoever you are this morning, if you're saved, we better get serious about what we're doing for God because Jesus is coming, right? We better get some life back in us and a wake up out of sleep, right? We, we're just caught. We're just caught up with with the uh, with the with the uh, with the routines. We're just uh, we're just as guilty as these people are. We're in our Baptist churches. There is less life and more routine and tradition than just about every church that I've been in in the past two years. There's no life. There's no love for Jesus anymore. It's just the routines of tradition. Brother Clint's going to get up and he's going to say this. Brother Reed's going to sing this song and this one sees it. And if we're not careful, we'll just get caught up in routine. Right? Where's our life for Jesus? Enter into his course with thanksgiving. Well, I'm praising him. Oh, are you? How? Well, I praise him privately in my heart. Nobody can see it. I don't, I don't think that. I don't, I'm not sure that's possible. Right? I don't know how you're doing that. Silent praise. I, I, I don't know. I know of silent worship, but praise is something you do, something other people see, right? Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. When's the last time you praised him? I know we got to go home. I took my time up this morning. When's the last time you praised him? And say, well, I just disagree with you. I think, I think it's all side. All I want you to do is take a Bible and take a verse and just show it to yourself. Not to me, but if you're going to believe something, you're going to live that way, then stand on the Word of God. Right? Don't tell me emotions are shallow and prove it from the Bible. 
You can't do that. Right? You can't. But you can also have to be equally careful that you're not, you're not completely conducted and overrun by your emotion. Right? Now, caught up, they, we've totally lost our passion for Jesus, and we're just caught up with the times. I think there's been more people probably this week watch Fox News and worried about whether Trump's going to get this state or that state than they've read a Bible. Y'all know I'm telling it right. And uh, if we're not careful, and then we wonder why we don't have revival, why, why our young people aren't stirred up. Why? Because they've seen it in the home. Right? The homes aren't stirred up. Mom and daddy ain't stirred up. No wonder our kids aren't. Right? So, well... I, I don't want to be just caught up with the times. It's serious. This thing's serious. Well, I, 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 we better buckle down and get ready for the Lord because He's coming, and I want to be found faithful doing what He told us to do, don't you? Now, we could go back, and I'm not going to do it. I'm done preaching this morning, but we're going to come back tonight, and we'll look through Genesis 7, uh, and uh, we'll go through and talk more about somewhere. I've got it in my notes here. Some Brother E can come read them to me. Uh, well, it's in there somewhere. But we'll, we'll go back and we'll look at, uh, at Noah's day. There's some other things going on in Noah's day that Matthew doesn't talk about. And then we'll look at Lot's day and understand Lot's day in context of not just sexual immorality, although that is dominating our culture. We can see the, ends are, the end is coming. We might even look somewhat at some other things that talk about uh, exactly when it's coming. And so, uh, not, not, not in, the, in the time sense of, of the Lord's coming, but recognizing the times. Um, so anyway, the Lord's coming this morning, and uh, not this morning. That's the message for this morning. He could come this morning. Do you believe that? If we believe that, I think we'd live a little bit different. I'm saying that from, to me, all of us. I think we need to get serious about this thing. And um, let me say this, stand to your feet. If you're lost this morning, without the Lord, can I tell you that, the G that Jesus made a way for you to get out? You are condemned and unjust before a holy God, but that's not the end of it. Jesus has made a way for you to be free. And so, don't be bought and sold by the opinion of some man who just is trafficking in souls. But uh, give yourself to Jesus who paid for you with his own blood. Right? And so, Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for those that are saved. I thank you on their behalf for that day when we come to the knowledge of the truth. Thank you for saving an old wretched sinner like me. And Lord, I pray if there's any soul here this morning that doesn't know you, that Lord, they would take just a minute, Lord, and really think about their eternal matters. If a man dies, shall he live again? And just help them, Lord, to see Jesus as you allowed us that are saved to see you. And we'll thank you and praise you for all you do. Lord, help us that are saved this morning to be mindful of the times, to redeem the time, to buy the truth and sell it not and remain faithful until you come. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll keep your head bowed just a moment, Brother Reed's going to sing a verse if you need to come.